0: We hope that this message will help guide you toward positive, Christ-centered change. By reviewing this podcast, you could be part of spreading the good news. Please also consider giving a donation to our ministry at cometoabc.com slash giving. As always, these messages are available to copy and share on social networks. It's good to see all of you here. and uh, We are in the second week, so I want to encourage you, if you missed last week, Uh, You need to check that out online. Come to abc.com and you go under media and you can uh, see the message or you can hear it and uh, get caught up as far as where we are. Uh, We're talking about God's plan for faith, family, and finances. And uh, what we need to understand is, is a lot of the times God says, here's my plan, here's my ideal, here's what I want. And then real life happens and we shy away from it. Or we move away from God's design plan. And when that occurs, then we are, are left with what happens. And sometimes a big mess can happen from that. If we don't manage our faith correctly, if we, if we don't have our, our family in line with Scripture, and if we don't have our finances in line with Scripture, then we're really kind of choosing our own path. And when we choose our own path, we get man, or woman, or kids, the results of ourselves. We get basically what we did instead of what God wants to give us. So, so the idea isn't to say, hey, you're doing all this wrong. It's to say, here is, is God's standard. Here's what God wants. And if, if God wants this, it's in our best interest to, to be obedient, to be prudent, and, and managing our, our ourselves this way, our families this way, and our life this way, so that we can expect to see God's plan play out in the positive way. How many of you believe God may have a little better plan than we have most of the time? Amen? Amen. So God sees things that we don't see. And it says in Scripture that He wants us to be obedient, not just so that we can be obedient to Him, but we're to be obedient so that it may go well with us. So that it may go well with us. And that's a good thing. That means it is well in our lives. And and I can look at my life personally, and I see areas where I have messed up where I have fallen short of what God wants me to do, and I face the consequences. It's not always God's discipline. Sometimes it's just earthly consequences that we run into. So last week, we talked about how we're to be the bacon. Let's show that picture of the bacon and the eggs, okay? Bacon and eggs, all right? Now, now there's a difference between the eggs and the bacon. So the chicken and, and the pig, there's a difference in this breakfast. The chicken gives the eggs, right? Chicken gives the eggs, and then we crack them, and we make them. The chicken goes on living. The bacon has to die in order to eat it, right? And so we we cook some bacon up here, and some of you probably still smell it in here. And we talked about how we're to be the bacon in that we have to die to our selfishness. We have to kill our selfishness if we're to walk and follow God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 5, it says, To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if we're to do that, then we have to put to death constantly, we have to get rid of constantly our selfish nature, our selfish desires. The things that I want often become priority over the needs of others. And so we have to get rid of those. We have to realize that's what they are, that, that I, I want myself to have all of these things. And instead, we have to be the bacon. Everyone say, be the bacon. Be the bacon and give up in order to receive full faith in Jesus because we're called to love him with our whole heart, soul, and what? Don't laugh. Okay, strength. We're called to love him with our full strength. That means we put what? Everything into it. We're 100%, right? We have to go full bore at this. So if we're going to be following Jesus, it's not just, well, I want Jesus plus this. I want Jesus, but I kind of want my own way in this. Uh, no, we're supposed to discern the will of the Lord, and the will of the Lord comes through the Scripture. It comes from the Bible. And then we're to follow through in obedience. And that's a growth and maturing process that we're called to. So daily, we have to pick up our cross and follow Him. And, and that's the call of being a christian that's the call of having true faith and if we have faith like that then we have faith that we want our kids to follow because often our kids do what we do not what we say right how many of you have experienced that they do what we do and not what we say so we want to form a legacy that lasts generation after generation so your kids kids are walking in this as well this is why church is so important This is why the community of faith is so important. Because you're showing, by by showing up here on Sunday morning, you're showing priority for God. Because you're doing the first thing in the week. The first thing in the week you're doing, the first thing in your week is, is to show worship to God, and grace to God, and to show love to God. And when you're doing that, your kids begin to say, oh, this is a priority. This is a priority. So often we can get things stuck in that way, but this is what we're called to do. So today... I kind of entitled this just why. Everyone say why. Why. Why? So we're talking about God's plan for faith, uh, family, and finances. And we're kind of, in the second gear, we talked about faith a a lot, yes, uh, last week. And we're going to talk about faith more here, too, because it's all rooted in that. But we're going to talk about why family. Why family. Why did God create it? And and, and go a little bit deeper than just five points of how to have the perfect family, because we all know we're not going to have that, right? (laughs) Right. But we can see why God wants something. How many of you remember when your child hit three, four, five, and, and they would ask you a question? You know, why are the cars going on the opposite side of the road? Because that's the law, and that's they're supposed to go that way. Why are they doing that so we don't run into each other, so there's laws and we know what we're going? you ever have a child that just constantly asks why? Do you ever have a spouse that constantly still asks why? <laughs> oh, put your hand down, Emily actually there was something this last week that (laughs) we're sitting there it's it's 10 o'clock at night and the kids are are finally somewhat in bed and by that I mean they're upstairs screaming mommy and daddy whatever and and we had had the windstorm the night before and and one of their little play things a a toy slide had had blown into the neighbor's yard and I sit down you know like I'm gonna relax for 30 40 minutes here And, and she says you need to pull that slide out of the yard and I said Why? (laughs) Yeah, why sometimes is the question that we never leave, and I had my shoes off, but I eventually did get up and and do it because I'm supposed to do that, right? So why did, the bigger question is, why did God create families? Why did God create families? And realize that he created them. If we go back to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis, we see that God created Adam, and then from Adam he created Eve. And he created the male and female, and he created the family to interact in this way. And, and, and Adam had it pretty easy. He didn't have to go searching for the perfect will of God to see who his wife was supposed to be, right? He had one choice. And good thing for, for Adam that she only had one choice, Amen. So it, it, this is a good thing. So they see each other, the, and they get married, and they begin having their kids. And God created them, uh, male and female, to have children to procreate. And he tells them in Genesis, Be fruitful and multiply and occupy the earth. Fill it up and subdue it, which means manage. Manage. Now, I don't know if we've done a great job of management all the time. You can can look at some of the the things that we've done to the earth and the species of the earth, and I don't think that's perfect. I don't think it's what God intended. But God tells us to fill up, be fruitful, and multiply. And and, and in that command is, is a lot of fun, but is a lot of difficulty as well. Amen? And God designs the family to be the growth and multiplication for populating the world. For populating the world. And this was his design from the very beginning. So, that's God's design. And we have husbands and wives. We have sons and and daughters that come naturally from that offspring. And and we have all of these things that God has given us. And blessings from the Lord is what it says in Psalms. That kids are a blessing from the Lord. Amen. Even when they're difficult, they're what? A blessing from the Lord. Even when you have to wake up at 3 in the morning, there's still a blessing from the Lord. I want to show you a quick video here called Regrets You'll Never Have. I wish I'd spent more time at work. I wish I'd gotten more sleep. I miss watching a lot of great football games. I never got to spend enough time on Facebook. I wish the walls weren't so scratched up. I never really to drive a cool car. I wish that planter in the backyard didn't wobble. I wish the house had been cleaner. I never had enough time to work on my fantasy sports teams. I wish I'd had more money for myself. I wish we'd slept in more on Sunday. for ourselves. Regrets you'll never have. Regrets you'll never have. And and that's true. Like like think of this. It, 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 there are moments, it, just to be honest, you know. There are moments where you're like, ah. <laughs> You know, why is this going on? Or, or why aren't they listening? Or why aren't they doing this? But, but the truth of the matter is, we have to continue in family to have a long view. We have to have the long view. We have to realize that we're not raising our family just as our family. That we are, in fact, stewards of what God has given us. That it really isn't my possession. These aren't just my kids. These are kids that God has given me to be a good steward of. And someday, I'm going to stand before God Almighty, and He is going to go through a judgment list of how I handled my family, of how I treated my kids. And so it's not just my kids that are on the line here. It's the kids of my kids that are on the line. It's the kids of their kids. If the Lord doesn't return before then, all of these generations are built upon what you do here and now and today. And so even if your kids are grown, it doesn't mean it's too late. Even if you you feel like you've missed the mark a little bit, and everyone misses the mark, even if you feel that way, you can go to them and say, look, I wish we had done this differently. I wish we had done this differently. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And you can start, and you can say, look, don't make the same mistakes my, I did. Don't, don't do the same thing I, I did. So, so realize that marriage, marriage is meant to impact our view of God. And that's why marriage is, is deeply important for, for children, too. It, it's, it helps us understand the view of God, and, and especially the relationships between fathers and daughters and mothers and sons and, and all these things. It helps us understand more completely what it's to be. But the big question is, why do we have kids and why do we get married? Why do we have kids and why do we get married? We see that in Scripture. It, it's something that God calls us into, into obedience, And I know there's people that are called to be celibate and remain single, and and there are people in a lot of different situations, but your answer to the question of why do we have kids and why do we get married in large part determines where you end up in your marriage and where you end up with your kids. Because if you start with the wrong why, you're going to end in the wrong place. If your why has more to do with, well, I've always wanted to see, you know, have kids continue my family name. I've always wanted to be married because I, you know, I, I think I'd be a lot happier in that situation. When difficult times come, it's going to be hard to maintain because your return on investment doesn't seem to be paying off. So if I'm raising my kids with the idea of, you know, I want to be well-known in the community. I want them to play sports well. And I want, I want them to, to value... Uh, My family name. And I want them to to be raised in this idea. If that's really my drive, then if I have a child that's difficult, which Lord knows we will, right? Nah, they're all little angels. Yes, they are. Okay, if I have a difficult moment, even with a good child, I'm sitting there weighing my options. I'm sitting there seeing whether or not this is worth it. And what I'm left with is, is this return on value going to be good? So, so if my daughter, when she's older, comes down the stairs and her clothes are not long enough, but I know if I say something and send her back up to change, she's going to say things under her breath and not like me, then I begin wondering for selfish reasons, well, maybe I just won't say anything. Maybe I'll just let it slide this time. And when we let it slide, it's really because we are not fully dying to self. Because we don't have the proper understanding of what God has given us here. Because we don't understand that we are the managers, the stewards, of what God has granted us. And so we have to properly manage, we have to understand Scripture in order to say, this is the right path in which you should walk. And, and then we call them on it when they don't walk in it. Amen? Amen. So that's why it's important. And when I say we need to discipline our kids, I don't just mean we discipline them like you're grounded or, or you're in trouble or you can't do, do whatever it is. I, I don't mean that way. I mean that in everything we do, we have God's plan and God's path in mind. And when they deviate from it, we show them God's word and how to get back in line. And when we do that, then discipline is not a negative thing. Instead, it's a guidance. It's guardrails in a messy situation of life because narrow is the path to the heaven and broad is the highway to destruction. And so when we narrow things down and we put the little safety rails, how many of you went bowling before with your kids and they, bumped the, they take the rails up and so you have the bumper rails? I, I always do better when they have bumper rails in bowling. I kind of want to do it every time. You It know, makes you feel good. But that's what we're called to be as parents. Hey, you need to adjust. Hey, you need to move back here. And, and so discipline isn't a nasty thing. It's a growth thing. It's discipling them. And, and so we have a different view of marriage too because now marriage isn't about my happiness. Marriage is about glorifying God through everything that he's given me. So so this this is where... We we have to get in. So why do we marry? So why do we parent? In Genesis one twelve, God tells Adam and Eve to multiply. And then Mark ten six, uh, there's a question asked of Jesus. And Jesus reminds them of Genesis five two. He says he created the male and female, and God has designed marriage for this. And he's talking about divorce and the difficulties going through that, and I know a lot of people have been through that tough situation. A lot of people have gone through divorce and have gone through the heartache of that or have had it happen in their life when their parents went through that. And God talks about that type of stuff in hard terms because he wants to spare us the difficulty of that. Because he really wants us to follow his plan and his path. But I want you to realize there's still hope for you even if things are broken because every family is broken. Now, some of us look really good on the outside. I, I want to use it as an illustration. How many drove a minivan here today? So, uh, my minivan doesn't look great on the outside anymore either. But if, if, if you look on the outside, it looks clean. It looks great. But, but when you open the inside, there are French fries on the floor. And, and the kids were in it last night. And thank you, Mom and Dad, for taking them. And they, they had ice cream. And so I picked up some ice cream and I was waiting for Emily to come out of the house this morning and I was like gathering up all the things in there that just need to be thrown away because what's on the outside isn't always what's on the inside. And I want you to know that God is more interested on what's on the inside, the matters of your heart, the matters of your family that are internal than he is on the exterior. Does it look right? Is it and, uh, polished and buffed? Is it, is it all those things? No, he's more interested on the interior. so, Let's let's go through this. Every family is broken. I want to show you this because religion alone can't keep families together. And if we go through the Old Testament, we see that very clearly in all of the families. If you've ever read through the Old Testament, you realize, holy cow, they had it worse than we did. All right? Okay? Because Adam and Eve, all right? Adam and Eve, they, they had it perfect, literally perfect. They lived in the Garden of Eden, the real one. It was, it was Disney, I'm telling you. It was the best thing that ever happened, and, and everything was perfect. And then they both fell into sin. And, and guess what they did as soon as each of them sinned? You know, Eve eats other uh, fruit she's not supposed to. Adam eats of the fruit he's not supposed to. And then they point at each other. You know, Adam points at his wife. It's your fault. And she points at the serpent. It's his fault. I listened to a talking snake. And, and, and they all play the blame game. And then we can see that play out in marriages and life now. It's still going on. But Adam and Eve have kids. And their, their kids eventually commit homicide on each other. They kill each other. It only took one generation to mess up that bad. It, it was really quick. Okay, so then we, we go further. We go further. And, and we see that David's son rises He raises a whole army against his dad. Have you ever had uh, someone raise an army against you? And uh, they're coming at you with swords and spears, and they're coming to kill you and take over your kingdom. And and we see this over and over again in the Old Testament. You see the heartache, the problems that occur, and they all occur when people aren't following the will and plan of God as established everybody thinks that their way is the best way until they're in the mess that they created. So God's desire is for us to follow Him right off and to realize that law and religion, the Old Testament law and religion, the Ten Commandments, are not enough for our families to be whole, however that looks, healthy, however that looks. And I know that means a lot of different things because a lot of us have gone through some broken stuff before. But our families are called to live out the grace and, God, and love of Jesus Christ. In Malachi 4.6, it says, Remember to obey the, law of Moses, uh, that's, um, obey, obey the law of Moses, my servant, all of the decrees and regulations that I gave him on the Mount Sinai for all of Israel. And there's more than just the Ten Commandments there. So it's saying, follow my my rules is for the, your good. And then and then this is the continuation. So this is kind of the prophecy. And we see this fulfilled in Jesus. And we see this fulfilled in John the Baptizer. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn. Listen to this. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. And the hearts of children to their fathers. How many of you want that? So... Long view, long view again. I, I discipline and correct my children in the fullness of God's word. And I change the way they view the world so that my heart can be attached to them and so that they can be attached to me. And so they don't have to go through the heartache I've gone through. And so that they don't have to realize that. I had a conversation with one of my sons yesterday. And, and he said something that was very hurtful and demeaning to, to my daughter. And he was upset about something. Who knows what it was? But I said, look, you shouldn't talk to your sister that way. Here's why. God says that we are created in the image of God. And if we say even to our, our sister, our brother, that they're a fool or that they're stupid or that we don't like them, that we're devaluing what God created and we're actually sinning against God. And so we had that conversation. That's discipline, guys. Okay, discipline is showing them the why, showing them the why. So we have to do that. So Malachi four six points to Jesus and it says it's grace and love that are needed to restore families to God. Amen. So when we are restored to God, then we can live in God's plan. And marriage and family isn't just about us. It's the mirror. It's a mirror of gospel for the world to see. Marriage is also worship to God, because it's obedience to him. So being faithful husbands, wives, sons, and daughters points to Jesus and his sacrifice. But I want you to know right now, it isn't easy, and it's not always fun, but we have to remain in the long view of what God wants for us, and we have to obey his word and follow through and make the commitment to each other and make the commitment to God and then follow through on it so that we get the results that God wants us to get. So yesterday, I I didn't have long view in mind. I'm sitting there, and I'm finalizing this message today. I'm working over it in my mind, and I'm writing things down and everything. And the kids are as loud as can be. How many of you realize that when your your kids notice when you're focusing? They notice when you're, trying, you're distracted, you're trying to do something else, and, and what do they do? They get louder, they get more rambunctious. And, and so I, I realized after I was done that the very thing I was writing, I was having difficulty doing because I need to have the long view in mind. I need to not get as anxious and as upset and as focused on the short-term stuff as the long-term stuff. So we don't have to live in bitterness and anger. We don't have to live with a family feud. And your view is, as a family needs to be that they are a treasure from God, given to you by God, for God. And if we truly become like the bacon, everyone say bacon. Mm, bacon. <laughs> and put selfishness to death, then we have that first step. We have that first step of being able to walk through that door of doing those things. And this is a growing thing. I, I want you to realize this. You, you of you that are, are young with kids, this is a growing thing. You don't just wake up and have this. This is a discipline thing for you too, that you have to grow in and realize that you're continually putting selfishness to death. So we have kids because God has given them to us. Amen? They're gifts. So Psalms 127 verse 3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord, and it goes beyond that. It says they are a reward from him. All right? They are a reward from him. So we marry because we glorify God through it. We have kids as a natural result of that. And it's more than just happiness. It's God's plan for family. And it's a witness to the world that God knows what he's doing. But marriage and parenting are hard work. How many of you can say a real quiet amen if you're with your spouse? (laughs) Hey, to the men. Mar- marriage is hard work. How many would you agree? Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And I don't, I don't think it's necessarily getting easier. Parenting is tough. And, it, and it's not getting easier. But it's what God's calling us to. Uh, a relative through marriage posted something on Facebook this, this last week about why millennials aren't having kids. And uh, worldwide, we, we see that population is actually slowing down. Uh, that that young people are choosing not to have kids. And they list a lot of reasons why. And, you know, because it's difficult, because it's expensive, because, uh, you know, they grew up in, in messy family situations and they don't want to continue that. Uh, I want you to realize that they are missing out. That's not to say that people that don't have kids uh, have missed the boat or anything. But they're missing out on tough stuff that, makes them stronger in the end because having kids has matured me like nothing else it's also aged me like nothing else right having kids it it causes you to worry about a different set of things it it polishes off some of those things that that would be more difficult and you can't think about yourself you know that video is just about everything in there I i don't think i watched a whole football game last year maybe for the first time i got four kids I don't have enough eyes to watch them. And and, and all these things that maybe used to matter to me, I'm beginning to realize, you know what, maybe I'll get back into that eventually, but right now it doesn't matter. Right now it doesn't matter. You know, in 20 years, I'm not going to be looking at my kids and go, man, I wish I watched that game. Man, I wish I I had, you know, spent more time on myself. I'm not going to say that. On my deathbed, I'm not going to be sitting there going, oh, wouldn't it have been great if I had, had done this for myself and, and done something? No, it, it's, it's not going to be. Either. Wouldn't it be great if I just spent more time working? You no, know, God calls us to work, and we have to work the appropriate amount of time. And that's God honoring, and as men and as women, we're supposed to show our kids the way to go, and that's part of it. But at the same time, some of us are working so hard for the job, that we, and we think we're providing for the family. But I want you to realize this. When you die... It will not be the job that's crying. When you pass away, it won't be your career that's upset. It'll be your family. You know, at work, they may cry, they may shed tears, they may wish you the best, but they're going to hire somebody. Your family can't hire somebody to replace you. So it's important. It's important. Family is important. And, and it's, it's tough work. Malachi 4.6 says hearts will be reengaged and healed by the word of God, by Jesus, by the prophecy. And that he's calling us to do this as a church and as individuals who are following Jesus. In Ephesians 5, uh, verse 31, it, it, tells us, uh, it shows us a perfect illustration of, of the church and, and, and how it's supposed to be like a marriage and how a marriage is supposed to be like a church. So it's kind of both ways here. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united in one. And this is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. All right? So that's God's plan. And it's very different. It's very countercultural to what the world does right now. And I want you to know it's countercultural for a reason. And God wrote it down for a reason. Because he's designated the family to be structured in this way. He says a man and a wife, they're to so love each other. But they don't just move into with each other. They're supposed to marry. And then from that comes kids. And this is very different than what the rest of the culture tells us. It's very different than than what the world wants to preach to us. But I want you to know that it's stats and it's worldly stats that tell us that couples that live together before they're married actually have a higher divorce rate than those that don't. And that's not to bash you uh, if if you went through this. You know, that's in the past. I'm not worried about that. It's just to say that God's plan is better than my plan. God's plan is better than than your plan and and by following it you're doing things the right way in the right order and then God blesses that and he can bless it because your foundation is set up not on your own will or your own happiness but on the very word of God your family has to be rooted in the word of God in order for all this to work so so that's what God is calling you to do And, and, and God forgives and all of that but sometimes there are earthly consequences to that And I want to let you know right now that that we love all families, we love all people, and we want the very best for you. That's why we share the word of God. Amen? Amen. Okay, so there is forgiveness, there is salvation for all, and there is restoration that God wants for us. Malachi 4, six, the hearts will be reunited and healed. And that's what we need is we need healing in our f- families. We need a constant healing presence between fathers and, and their sons and their daughters and mothers and their sons and their daughters. And, and what we need to realize is what gets seen gets repeated. And the greatest inheritance we can leave our kids is that of faith. You know, the, we're going to talk about finances eventually, but this is, that's minute compared to faith. Those things can, can interrupt our faith. But our faith is the most important. I want you to realize the greatest thing that you can teach your kids is to follow Jesus. And I don't just mean say, I love Jesus, sing songs and come to church. I mean, follow Jesus. Be committed to the will of Jesus. Because if you're there, if you're living in that matter, then what you realize is that your happiness is not built on earthly circumstances or things around you. But instead, you're saying that Jesus is enough. Everyone say, Jesus yes. is yes. Enough. enough. Okay, so if Jesus is enough, that means when I lose my job, hey, guess what? Jesus is still enough, amen? Uh, when, when I may be diagnosed with something horrible or, or I may be on my deathbed, I don't care, I'm going to worship because Jesus is enough. If I go through a horrible tragedy and a child is taken or a child has a disease, I still praise God because Jesus is enough. So if Jesus is enough, then Jesus is enough for your marriage. Jesus is enough for your family. Jesus is enough for your pocketbook. Jesus has to be enough. That's what faith is. That's what putting your full hope and trust and love in God is. So that determines how we love our families, how we raise them, and how we serve them. Because you're not going to be here forever. I'm not going to be here forever. And kids don't need money as much as they need us to show them the path of righteousness. Because, guys, if you inherit the whole world, what good is it if you lose your soul? What good is it? So, kids want not things, not more iPads, not more money, and don't train them to want those things, but they need you. Realize that the days are long and the years are what? Short. The days are long and the years are short. You realize that that from the birth of a a baby to 18, you have 940 Saturdays. And 260 are already gone by fifth grade. Your time is short. Your time is short to raise them in the admonition of God and to teach them. And you're not going to be able to just bring them to church and and expect the church uh, to teach them everything. Guys, realize it's your responsibility to be the pastors of your homes. Amen? Amen. Uh, husbands and wives, uh, single parents, it's your responsibility to train them in the way of God and to show them the path for, that he has for them. It's your job to focus them, to disciple them, and train them and grow them. You cannot, you cannot outsource that to China. You cannot outsource it to the church. Because all we have is an hour and a half here, and we're going to do our very best here in an hour and a half. But realize that you need to be teaching them. You need to have time where you're teaching your kids. You need to have time where you're spending time with your kids and you're having fun with them. And it doesn't always have to be driving them to the soccer field or driving them outside. They need to learn. that They can have fun at home, so they want to come back to home. Enjoy your kids while you have them because it won't be long until you can't lift them up anymore. You ever think about that? I did last week. Aiden said, my legs are too tired to go up the stairs. Now, he could go up the stairs. But he's eight years old. And I picked him up, and I went, ugh. Because <laughs> there's a realization, wow, he is heavier than I remember. He's getting big. And it will not be long before he is too heavy for me to pick up, and there's no way he wants his dad picking him up. <laughs> but, but realize, you, your time is short. These seasons are short. And have the long view in mind. This is what you're raising your kids. You, you want to have good relationships with your grandkids. Start now with your kids. Start now with your kids. And, and realize, okay, we're going to go to Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 9. And I want you to write this down in your bulletin. Uh, earmark it in your Bible if you brought your own Bible. This, this is what it is, guys. This is what it is. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. That means nothing else. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly. To these commands I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again. And I'll say again and again and again and again and again. Because how many times does it take talking to a child to get them to work, right? To your children. Talk about them when you are at home. And when you're on the road in your minivan. And when you're going to bed or trying to get them to go to bed. And when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands, wear them on your forehead as reminders, write them on the doorposts of your house, put them on the walls everywhere, put them on the gates outside, write them on the stones. Guys, this is supposed to be everywhere in our life. So that when our kids think of us, they can't help but think of our faith. It's to be the point where everything is so saturated, it is just dripping with gospel. Because if we live lives like that, and if we teach our children that way, and I am not there yet, but if we do that, then they know why. Well, why are we called to live separately? Why are we to believe this way instead of that way? Because... And we share with them the word of God. God has called us into obedience because he is Lord. He is the boss. But not only that, because he wants it to go well with us. And this is the best plan he has for us. Not only that, it is the plan that he has to show the world the gospel of Jesus Christ. You realize that your family are living testimonies of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in that way, you have a huge responsibility to live in a Christ-like manner so that other people see Jesus in your family. That means they see Jesus in your family even when they're throwing a fit at the supermarket. They see your response. They see the way you handle yourself differently. It is calling. It's a calling. To show the world how Christ loves the church. And that means he gave himself up for her. We took communion early. He died for the church. Husbands, you should be willing to die for your wife. Wives, you should be willing to die for your husband. You're supposed to serve each other continually. So everywhere we go and everything we do, it should be wrapped around that. It should have elements of it. The gospel should be dripping from it. Also, you know, what gets scheduled gets done. So here's an application for those of you that have kids at home. Family time. Faith, family time. Schedule it one time a week. And we schedule it one time a week because we know it'll only get one time every other week, right? (laughs) Life happens. Things get busy. But schedule something where you can sit down with your kids at dinner or you can take them out somewhere and you can show them the Word of God in action. Because everywhere you go needs to be teachable moments. I had a a professor that told me it is a sin to bore people with the Bible. So I hope I'm not boring you this morning. It's a sin to bore people with the Bible. And, And what we need to do with our kids is realize that they learn very differently. They're tactile learners and everything. What I have here is a baker's treat. It says all things are yummy. Anyone still hungry? All right, so so this is what it is. Hey, what you do is you sit down with them and you give them an illustration, and we're going to pop a website up here in a second. And at this website, you can find a ton of these things. So I didn't create this, this someone else created this. You can sit down with your family. I want to give you a tool to take home today and to use it starts at home.org. Because realize your faith starts at home, everything starts at home. You're homemade. How many of you realize you're all homemade? All right. <laughs> so it starts at home.org. I need two volunteers: husband and wife. Chris. Chris and Selena, come up here. I do have food. All right, so this is this is an illustration of how you can teach your kids something. It's, it can be found at itstartsathome.org, and it fits in with with our message because we're looking at Mark uh, ten forty three through forty five in a second after we do this. All right, which one of you is more hungry? It doesn't matter, both of you. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna just like. I'm going to freeze your arms out like this, okay? Straight out, straight out, freeze, frozen, okay? Those are, now you can't bend them, right? I'm going to give you a chance to do what they do at weddings, Chris, okay? I'm going to give you that. Hold on to that. Can you feed yourself? Nope. No. How, how, Selena, how are you going to eat that? <laughs> yeah, you have to, okay, now, now look at this. Okay, so serve her. I just took it out of the package. You got to put it in your mouth. But i feel weird eating in front of all these people. <laughs> Take a bite, honey. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now now hand it to, to Selena. Let's, arms are still frozen. Now Chris, you get a bite, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey guys. This is this is what marriage is supposed to be. Cuz cuz you can't. You can't alone. You can go see you can eat more. <laughs> all right, you can go sit down, share that. Uh, it, and, and this is what God has called us to be to each other. We're, we're called to go it together. And, and so often, we're eating first, or we're feeding ourselves, but God wants us to take care of each other. Mark ten forty three through 45, I think we have the verse there. But among you, it will be different. Amen. It has to be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave of everyone else. Guys, that's what we're called to in the family. Kids, that's what you're called to in the family. You're called to serve your brothers and sisters. You're called to serve mom and dad. Mom and dad, you're called to serve each other. And you're called to serve the kids as well. But let's stand and pray. Lord we thank you for your word but we also thank you for your grace this morning because we know that we've all messed up in our family we know that we've made mistakes but God is bigger amen our heavenly father is bigger than that and when we confess and we move on you are great God and you can restore that love and that compassion you can fix those things and we can apologize and we can move on so, God, I, I thank you for that. And I thank you for, for your example of Christ to the church, and that's what marriage is to be. That we love each other selflessly. That, that we love each other wholly. And I thank you that you have given us children. I thank you you've given us children in our church. I thank you that you've given us grandchildren. I thank you that you've given us brothers and sisters. Lord, help us to live together in your peace and your unity and your growth under your plan, accomplishing your purpose. Give us the help that we desperately need, desperately need to accomplish any anything. Through your power, and through your spirit alone, we can do that. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Old Testament, people that we saw, they had really messy families, guys. There was murder in the families, there was revenge, there was adultery. There was, all of these things were happening. And God still redeemed them. God still loved them, and God still pursued them, and nothing has changed. God still loves you. God still pursues you, and God still wants you within his family and plan. There's nothing we can do that messes us up so far that God the Father says, I don't want anything to do with you. He always welcomes us back into his plan, into his will, into his way, and yeah, there's consequences sometimes. But when Jesus is the cornerstone, when you establish him as your foundation, then you can start to be built up and encouraged in the path that God wants for you. You can start to grow into what God really wants for you. And I'm letting you know that ashes, from ashes can come beauty. From disaster can come awesome things. Because our God is bigger. Amen? And no matter what your mistake, God is bigger. No matter what your problem, God is bigger. And God desires to restore families. And it may not look like it used to. But God wants you to show the love of Christ to your kids, to your grandkids, to your nephews, to your nieces, and kids even to your brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the blessing of your word. I thank you that it guides us and instructs us. But it does not crush us. Instead, it lifts us up and it heals and it mends and it provides ointment to the the open skin wounds that we have and the hearts that have been battered and beaten and ripped apart. God, I pray right now over a congregation that you would heal them. That you would mend their hearts. God, that you would restore your love and you would help them to realize that they are not second-class citizens, but they are children of the Most High King god i pray resurrection in people's hearts and lives i pray your resurrection power in their families and the generations that follow god we don't just pray for our kids now we pray for their kids kids and their kids kids that there would be a commitment to the word of god a commitment to christ as savior and lord king exalted and father who loves lord build within us what you want within us. Strengthen us in the ways we need to be strengthened. Bless us in the ways that we need to be blessed. And help us to live as a blessing to others. We pray that it would begin individually with each of us. That we wouldn't look to the left or right and say, when you get your act together, when you get your act together. No, instead, we would start with what we can do through your power and through your grace. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Go and be a blessing. Love each other in the grace of God. We hope that this message will help guide you toward positive, Christ-centered change. By reviewing this podcast, you could be part of spreading the good news. Please also consider giving a donation to our ministry at cometoabc.com slash giving. As always, these messages are available to copy and share on social networks. Until next time, continue to grow in Jesus.